Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12 within God's Word this morning. Luke chapter 12 within God's Word. Our main text is located there. You know, it's amazing the steps that we take in planning our road trips with our GPS, our vacations, uh, uh, on their agendas. Uh, uh, how many of us have taken seminars? We've read books. We've watched videotapes so we can plan our retirement. We plan so many things in life, but we don't plan eternity. It's shocking to me how many Christians that I deal with on a consistent basis that have no real understanding about tomorrow, about the future that God has planned for you and I. I want you to join me for three special Sundays, including today in this month of October, as I share a, a new sermon series called Countdown to Eternity. Countdown to Eternity. Many of you have heard Pastor Ryan promote 666, which is uh, our drama outreach that is coming up. It is a drama, as you can see, the stage being prepared. It is an amazing drama on the level of Edge of Eternity. It is an amazing drama that we are asking you. I am asking you, use it as an invitation tool to invite your unsaved friends and family, your lost loved ones, to discover Jesus Christ. Uh, in this month of October, they'll be open to that kind of a thing when it comes to 666 and a drama about it. Uh, please do not use it uh, as your own entertainment. It's not designed for that. It's designed as an outreach tool. I thought that I would preach a message series on Bible prophecy that would undergird what you're about to witness in the drama. This is more teaching than it would be preaching. Countdown to eternity. Hey, did you hear not long ago what happened just north of Brighton, between Brighton and Flint, Michigan, on the highway there? State trooper had his uh, radar gun out, and he said to himself, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Here was a car severely going under the speed limit. It was puttering along at 22 miles an hour. He said, that's just as dangerous as, as speeding. He pulled the car over. The car was filled with dear, sweet old ladies. Two in the front, three in the back. And he asked the dear uh, lady driver, he said, do you realize what speed you were going? She said, but, but, but officer, I was driving exactly the speed limit. In fact, I was under the speed limit. I was doing 22 miles an hour. And the speed limit is 23. He said, my dear gal, that's U.S. 23. That's the route number, not the speed limit. Oh! He's driving slow is, is even sometimes more dangerous than driving too fast. And then he got a good look at the other ladies in the vehicle. And they were shaking all over. They were white as ghosts, eyes large and luminous. 
And she said, he said to the driver, are your passengers all right? And she quipped and looked up at him and said, oh, sure, they'll be all right. We just got off I-96. We just got off I-96. But let me ask you a question. How good are you at reading the signs of the times? If you have a sermon study guide this morning, take it out with me, follow along with me, fill in the blank with me. Point number one this morning, Jesus, do you realize this? Jesus rebuked his generation for being able to forecast the weather, but unable to read the signs of the times. Many Christians often dismiss Bible prophecy. They say it's too difficult to understand. Let's focus on the here and now. Yet Jesus not only spoke many times about the future, Jesus rebuked people for not understanding the signs of the times in which they lived. Luke chapter 12, verse 54, Jesus said, When you see clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, Here comes a shower, and you are right. When the south wind blows, you say, Today will be a scorcher, and it is. Hypocrites! You interpret the sky well enough. In other words, you forecast the weather, but you refuse to notice the warnings all around you about the crisis that's ahead. Storm warnings. Bible prophecy is basically storm warnings that will end up leading to the greatest event since the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What am I talking about? This world will culminate in the second coming of Jesus Christ when his feet will be planted upon the Mount of Olives as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He'll walk into the White House and say, I'm in charge now. And this planet will be under brand new management for the glory of God for the next 1,000 years. Write it down if you would. 27%, did you realize? 27% of the Bible, almost a third of your Bible is about the future. 27% is prophetic. And two-thirds of that, two-thirds of that has yet to come to pass. For almost 2,000 years, prophetic fulfillment has been pretty nil until our generation. And I want you to consider all that's happened in the last seven days since Sunday night. More has happened in the last seven days related to Bible prophecy than the balance of the year. This past Thursday, a new law was enacted. It went over the heads of most American citizens. You don't realize this new law went into effect until you go and buy something at the department store. And instead of swiping your credit card, you now have to insert your credit card into the terminal and you stand there and wait and wait 
and wait as that terminal is reading your chip. Ten years ago, I predicted that this was coming. And many of you were in my classes. Up until this time, you would swipe your credit card and it would read the information on the magnetic stripe, which has very limited, limited info on it. But that chip, that computer chip, has the ability and the potential to hold fathomless depths of data about you in it. The law enacted is to secure your credit cards against hackers. If merchants do not have the new terminals, they could be liable if your computer or your credit card is hacked. My point is this. That plastic credit card, you need to realize, is nothing but a holder. That, let me repeat it again. That plastic credit card is just a holder for what? The chip. Many of you are aware that many prophecy scholars believe that Revelation 13 will be fulfilled with a computer chip that's embedded or injected under the skin. Let's read the prophecy from Revelation chapter 13. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. Let me remind you, this prophecy was given 2,000 years ago. So that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. The Bible aptly predicts that there's coming a moment in time that it will be a cashless society, a one-world economic system. No one can buy or sell unless you have a number by which to transact the business transaction. Here the prophecy states it will be based upon the number of the beast, 666. This does not happen overnight. It's a conditional creep. We are being conditioned for what is ahead. We are the first, we are the first society in all human generations with the technological feasibility to see this happen and occur in our lifetime. But there's more that happened this past week. You and I were horrified as we heard for the upteenth time about a mass shooting, this one in Oregon. It's the deadliest mass shooting in the last two years. Do you realize that in America there has been 142 mass shootings in the last 24 months? And the shooter has been linked now to a Muslim terrorist organization. Many social media sites are claiming that he indeed was a Muslim. He asked students in his English class to all stand up. And after shooting the professor, what was the question that he asked the students? Are you a Christian? And then shot them in the head if they responded affirmatively. I don't know about you, but when I heard that, my wife and I busted out crying. Because we know the prophecies. We see it being fulfilled. 
These are things that were unheard of when we were younger, but they're happening now, seemingly week by week in America. We're fulfilling what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 9, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. We've said it before, persecution is coming. Persecution is coming for being a Christian. In addition, the Bible contains numerous prophecies that, that reveal that Israel will rebuild what in the last of the last days? Her temple. Have you been watching the news this week in the Temple Mount? You see, the Bible says, Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul said that the Antichrist will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. For this prophecy by Paul to be fulfilled, the temple must be rebuilt in the last of the last days. Last Sunday, I preached about the Feast of Tabernacles. Israel is celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles right now. And the, at the height of the feast this past week, the Orthodox Jews ran up on the Temple Mount. Fred and Jeannie, Becky and I have witnessed the same thing. And they uh, ran up on the Temple Mount. We want our temple now. And the tensions on the Temple Mount have reached a climax this week to the point that the Palestinian Hamas leader has called, he has issued a call to arms that the Palestinians go to warfare against Israel over the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount, you need to understand, is the hottest piece of real estate on the entire planet. It is the apex for the Battle of Armageddon that is coming. I reported last week, last Sunday, on the massive military buildup in Syria by Russia. I said last Sunday, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Russia is storing weapons in a massive way in Syria. And on Wednesday, it happened. How much notice, how much notice was the United States given by the Russian government before Russia started bombing? One hour. Russia stood up to the United States and said, you have one hour to get your planes out of the area. Get this, Russia ordering the United States out. And what did we do? Nothing. Zippo. And Russia even today is bombing. They claim that they're bombing ISIS targets. It has been proven they are bombing rebels that the United States backs. This puts us into conflict with Russia in a head-to-head -head through surrogates. Why is Syria such a dangerous place for Russia to show up at? Syria is the number one threat to Israel has been from ancient times. Syria is one of Israel's principal and immediate military threats. Syria funds Hezbollah and Hamas, these radical Islamic terrorist organizations. Syria continues to develop ballistic missile systems and weapons of mass destruction. Uh, Assad has poisoned with gas his own 
people. And now we have a Russian military buildup. Alongside of it, thousands of Iranian troops have now flooded into Syria. Listen to your news. Watch your news. In addition to this, senior British Army commanders see a threat to NATO by Russia's actions in Syria. The headlines came out this week, NATO must prepare for war with Russia. Do you know that Moscow's latest tank, and we have men in this church that work in the defense contract industry here in Detroit. Do you know that Moscow's latest tank development, the T-14 Armada, main battle tank is said to be able to withstand all of NATO's modern weaponry? Do you know how slow NATO is in deploying troops? For NATO, for NATO to deploy 30,000 soldiers, it takes NATO an entire month. Russia can deploy 100,000 troops in 24 hours. And then the Iran nuclear deal. Let's talk about the Iran nuclear deal. It hit, it hit an apex this week. The Iran nuclear deal that our own presidential administration has worked. A nation which is the number one state sponsor for terrorism Iran not only gets more than $100 billion unfrozen in assets to use for multinational terrorism, now Iran basically gets the right to manufacture nuclear weapons. A nation which has called for the destruction of Israel, a nation which every week chants death to America, death to Israel. What happened this week at the United Nations? Can we dim the lights? I want you to witness what happened this week at the United Nations. It was historic. Khamenei once again made his genocidal intentions clear. Before uh, Iran's top clerical body, the assembly of experts, he spoke about Israel, home to over six million Jews. He pledged, quote, there will be no Israel in 25 years, end quote. 70 years after the murder of 6 million Jews, Iran's rulers promised to destroy my country, murder my people, and the response from this body, the response from nearly every one of the governments represented here, has been absolutely nothing. Utter silence. Deafening silence.
Perhaps you can understand why Israel is not joining you in celebrating this deal. If Iran's rulers were working to destroy your countries, perhaps you'd be less enthusiastic about the deal. If Iran's terror proxies were firing thousands of rockets at your cities, perhaps you'd be more measured in your praise. And if this deal were unleashing a nuclear arms race in your neighborhood, perhaps you'd be more reluctant to celebrate. Who was that that was just speaking? That is the, the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu. Half, half the United Nations Assembly walked out. You saw some of those members from Islamic nations sitting there laughing. And who was noticeably absent? But in the city. Now this is unprecedented. For the Prime Minister of Israel to give a major speech over such a critical, historic de deal and treaty as the Iran nuclear deal. For our Secretary of State, John Kerry, to be in the city, but not there at the speech. For our United Nations Ambassador, Samantha Powers, to be in the city, but not sitting there for the speech. This is unprecedented, and the order could have only come from the top. Pastor, why are you bringing this into a sermon? This is not news hour on Fox News. Why are you bringing this into a Sunday morning sermon? Because this lines up perfectly with Bible prophecy. Bible prophecy says, on the last of the last days, Israel will be standing alone. Israel will not have one ally. Not Britain, not the United States. There will only be one ally left. The prophet Zechariah states who that ally will be. Zechariah said, I am going to make Jerusalem, or God said, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem on that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. Hallelujah. God will always be the ally of his people, Israel. The Iran nuclear deal, Russians and Iranians together in Syria, just north of Israel. What is it all adding up to? Write it down in your notes. The signs of our times seem to be adding up to Ezekiel's amazing prophecy of the coming invasion of, of Israel. Let me hypothesize with you. What will happen as this deal is definitely going forward? As this deal is, is basically a done deal, and Congress cannot do a thing about it, what happens if Israel, in a preemptive strike, Israel bombs Iran with a massive buildup of Russian military and Iranians just north of Israel in Syria? What do you think is going to happen if Israel does a preemptive, as she has done before? She did it in Iraq, 
And she did it in Syria when Syria had a nuclear power reactor. What happens? I believe we're going to see Ezekiel chapter 38 fulfilled in our lifetime. Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 3, I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. In future years you will invade a land that has recovered from war. What land is that? Whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They had been brought out from the nations, and now all of them live in safety. When was that fulfilled? May the 15th, 1948. You and all your troops and the many nations with you will go up advancing like a storm. You will be like a cloud covering the land. On that day, thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil scheme. You will say, I will invade a land of unwalled villages. 2,500 years ago, how could Ezekiel see an invasion into a land of unwalled villages? Villages without gates, without giant walls. That was unheard of in ancient times. How could Ezekiel have known of modern bombs, aircraft, radar? How could he know that those devices would make walls irrelevant and obsolete? How could Ezekiel know 2,500 years ago? God. God. The coming invasion of Israel is not, not the Battle of Armageddon. And it could happen at any time. It's called the War of Gog and Magog. I alluded to it last week, Sunday. You need to read Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39 in Bible prophecy regarding this. Ezekiel chapter 38 lists the ancient nations in detail. Put that chart up on the screen, please. Here you see the ancient nations listed from Ezekiel 38. And on the right side... Uh, on the right side, you see the modern nation names. Principal among them, Russia and Iran. You need to understand that down all the way to ancient times, never in history have Russia and Iran ever had an alliance until our lifetime. You need to understand that Iran, up until 1935, was always called Persia. And in 1935, its name was changed from Persia to Iran. Russia will invade Israel with a coalition of Islamic Arab nations. And what makes this prophecy so amazing, it's the same evil axis of power that we see formulating right before our eyes on the evening news. Why would the attack come? Muslims want Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, and Russia's, Russia desperately wants a foothold, a stranglehold in the Middle East. Russia desperately wants to be a superpower again. God says, though, that when Russia sweeps down from the north, God says in Ezekiel 38, my fury will show in my face. Who is the guardian of Israel? The psalmist put it succinctly, Behold, he who keeps Israel shall ne neither slumber nor sleep. 
First, God will send a mighty earthquake, so devastating it will be felt around the world. Secondly, God will send mass confusion among the, the troops of the invaders, and they'll begin to fight one another. Thirdly, the Lord of hosts will open up with his divine artillery. Ezekiel 38, 22, I will execute judgment on him with plague and bloodshed. I will pour down torrents of rain, hailstones, and burning sulfur on him and on his troops and on the many nations with him. Ezekiel 39, verse 22, says how it all will end up. From that day forward... The house of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God. A mighty spiritual revival is coming to Israel because on that day, Israel will know that God rescued them and not the hand of man. It's coming. It's coming. It was amazing when we, we were in Israel to realize how many Jews are coming to Christ already. Spiritual revival is coming to the house of Israel. Note this. Yes. How many, how many saw the once-in-a-lifetime event Sunday night? I'm talking about the super blood moon. How many saw the super blood moon Sunday night? I preached about it four times on Sunday. Three in the morning, once in the evening. Uh, I talked about the super blood moon last week, a once-in-a-lifetime event. After the Sunday night service, I took a peek outside and I complained. Wouldn't you know it? Michigan weather again. Cloudy. Overcast. Uh, Once-in-a-lifetime. At 9.30, I took your pastor's wife out for an ice cream cone. We looked up again. Cloudy, overcast, and I grumbled and complained some more. At 10.30, I looked at the weather forecast on my phone, and my phone told me, and you always obey what your phone tells you. <laughs> my phone told me that the weather forecast for the next three hours was going to be overcast and cloudy. So my phone told me that, and so after preaching four times, I went to bed Sunday night. There was anybody on Sunday, last Sunday, that talked more about the super blood moon. It was me. Right. I missed it. And then I went to work the next morning in the office. Everybody was talking. How the, did you see it, Pastor? Did you see it? How the clouds opened up and there was the super blood moon? And I felt like that. I missed it. But there's coming a moment in time where the eastern skies will unzip. The moment of all moments. And he will descend from heaven with a shout. And I don't plan on missing that event. What event are we talking about? What event are we talking about? Oh, Jesus described it in Luke 21. Jesus said, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Church, lift up your heads. Prophecy is being fulfilled all around us. God is readying this planet for the soon return of His Son, Christ Jesus. You see, God's got a rescue plan. Some call it operation, evacuation. Some call it the great escape. But most of us know it as the rapture. I want to talk to you about the rapture this morning. The rapture is a promised event 
Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words that's why i'm preaching this this is a word of comfort not fear this morning you see those two words caught up circle that on your sermon study guide or your bible those two words are where we get the words rapture from they literally mean to snatch away snatch away but when will the rapture take place Will the rapture take place before the great tribulation? Before the powers of hell unleash a literal hell on earth? I'm talking about the beast, the Antichrist 666. Will the rapture take place before those terrible events? Will the rapture take place in the middle? of the great tribulation or will the rapture take place at the end of the great tribulation will it coincide with the second coming of Jesus Christ let me correct some misunderstanding some Christians confuse the second coming of Jesus with the rapture the rapture is an invisible coming the rapture is a secret coming the rapture deals with the church only. The rapture is when the church, every Christian that is right with God, will be transformed in a moment, in the blink of an eye, and be snatched away by Jesus into heaven. The second coming is a visible appearance. All the world will see Jesus coming at the battle of Armageddon at the battle at that twilight zone hour Jesus will appear in the heavens and the Bible says he'll step foot on the Mount of Olives King of Kings and Lord of Lords that's the second coming don't get them confused the question is the church the rapture believing church is divided into three camps there are those that believe that the rapture takes place before the seven years of great tribulation. Those that believe it happens in the middle of it. And those like Pat Robertson, the 700 Club, that believe it happens at the very end of the great tribulation and is basically synonymous with the second coming. The post-trib view is called the elevator rapture. You go up and you come right back down. What do we believe here at Lakeside Assembly of God? New members, new members, what do we believe and teach? What do we practice and teach here at Lakeside Assembly of God? I told you this is more of a teaching word this morning. We practice and preach. We teach here at Lakeside Assembly of God the pre-tribulation rapture. That Jesus is coming back before all of the terrible horrors of hell before Satan unleashes the Antichrist, before 666. Let me explain. 
Let me give you seven reasons why we believe this. Reason number one, the pre-tribulation, the pre-tribulation rapture view is the only one that offers the encouragement Scripture promises believers. It's the only one that offers encouragement. It's the only one that offers comfort. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, Therefore, encourage each other with these words. In Titus, he said, While we wait for the blessed hope, hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. How could the rapture be encouragement? How could it be hope if I have to go through part of the great tribulation? Or all of it. Number two, the pre-trib view best expresses the grace of God and the cleansing power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Those that are proponents of the mid-trib view or the post-trib view believe that this generation of Christians is so lackadaisical, we are so lethargic, lukewarm, and apathetical, that we need a great tribulation to purify us, to refine us. That we have to go through the great tribulation or part of it to cleanse us. Last I read, Jesus paid it all at the cross of Calvary. His blood will never lose its power. It still flows the highest mountain, the lowest valley. If you subscribe to a mid-trib view or a post-trib view and you believe that God needs to use the tribulation to purify just one generation out of 20 generations of Christians, then you have pretty much constructed a Protestant purgatory. The Great Tribulation is not meant to be a Protestant purgatory or any purgatory. Jesus paid it all. He took all the wrath of God for my sins upon himself. There's nothing that I can do to add on to that. Hallelujah to the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Number three, the church is promised to escape God's wrath ten times. Ten times in the book of Revelation, the great tribulation is described as the time of God's wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world. Nowhere in the Bible will you ever read that God's people experience God's wrath along with the unrighteous. You'll never find it. Four times in the Bible, you will read at least four times, God will save Christians from the wrath to come. And I've given you the scripture references that are there before you in your study guide. Number four, the pre-trib view is the only view that can explain Christ's promise to keep his church from the tribulation. Read with me Revelation 3.10. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. When we read kept from as a pre-trib church, 
We read that, that God is going to rescue us out of that hour of trial. The mid and post-trib camp, though, say, you see that word from? That really means God's going to keep us through it. God is going to strengthen us through it. God is going to preserve us through it. Ah, but the Greek word that is translated from, the Greek word is ek. Can you say ek with me? E-K, E-K, 800 times throughout the New Testament, anywhere you find the Greek word ek, it is always translated out of, not through. The promise of God's word is that we are going to experience the great escape. <laughs> we are going to experience God's rescue. We're going to be kept out of the great tribulation. Hallelujah. Number five, the pre-trib position is the only view that takes God at his word and claims his promises literally to save us out of the wrath to come. Read, read the defense of those who subscribe to the mid-trib view or are those that subscribe to the post-trib view. And they interpret Scripture symbolically. They spiritualize Scripture. They, they, they view it metaphorically, allegorically. They do not take Scripture for its literal meaning in order to come up with the mid-trib or the post-trib view. Let me ask you a question. There are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about the first coming of Jesus Christ. Remember those prophecies? That he would be born of the tribe of Judah, that he would be born in the town of Bethlehem, that he would ride on a donkey into Jerusalem as her king, that he would be crucified between two criminals, that he would be buried in a rich man's tomb, that he'd be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. I ask you a question. Were those prophecies, were they fulfilled symbolically or were they fulfilled literally? Literally right down to the letter. The pre-trib view is the most literal approach, the most literal interpretation of Scripture. It holds, it holds the thrust of God's Word. It holds the thrust of Scripture to be taken seriously and literally. Number six, the pre-trib rapture position is the only one that does not lead to date setting. Date said, Jesus warned that no one would know the day of the rapture. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Jesus said, therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord would come. Matthew 25, Jesus said, therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day, not even the hour. If you're going halfway through the, the tribulation, and you're already seeing the catastrophes, the, the, the judgments of God. If you're already seeing the wrath of God, if you're already seeing the appearance of the Antichrist, there's not too much of a surprise element with the rapture. That leads me to my next point, the greatest point of all. Number seven, the greatest objection to the mid- and post-tribulation positions is their destruction of the doctrine of imminency. 
Jesus emphasized over and over and over again, he's coming as a thief in the night. No one knows the day or the hour. That's why he called us to be ready. That's why he called us to live holy, to live ready, because we don't know the day or the hour when he would come. If you know that Jesus is going to come in the next moment, if you're waiting to see the Antichrist before you're believing the rapture will take place, then why live holy? You'll just wait for the tribulation to show up. You'll just wait for the catastrophes, the judgments, the beasts, 666. And when you see those things, then you'll start living like a Christian. That's not the thrust and the emphasis of what Jesus taught. Amen? He taught that he was coming at any time. Those who embrace the pre-tribulation view, they're looking for Jesus Christ, while the mid-trib and the post-trib view, they're looking for the Antichrist. I don't know about you. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm going to live ready now. Amen. The rapture. Oh, let me just close by giving you some quick rapture revelations. The rapture will instantly transform our bodies. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, but I'm telling you this strange and wonderful secret. We shall not all die, but we shall all be given new bodies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The older I get, this gets more important to me. A new body. Praise the Lord. And, and, and we're talking about a body just like the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. A body that can be felt and touched. We're talking about flesh and bone. We're not talking about Casper the friendly ghost. We're not talking about this fog or this cloud that floats throughout eternity. You're going to have a superhuman body, a resurrected body throughout all of eternity. No limitations, no sicknesses, no maladies. Uh, hallelujah. No old age in heaven. You'll never hear a siren in heaven. You'll never go to a hospital. You'll never attend a funeral in heaven. What a day that will be. Glory to God. No cemeteries over there yes resurrection bodies secondly the next revelation the rapture will take place in a moment of time paul said in first corinthians 15 and a moment faster than an eye can blink at the sound of the last trumpet indeed that trumpet will sound and then the dead will be raised never to decay we shall be changed how quick how quick See that word moment? It comes from the Greek word atomos. We get our word atom from it. The smallest particle of time. Faster than an eye can blink. Not enough time to get right with God. Not enough time to reconcile with those that you're in unforgiveness with. Not enough time to cry out, I repent, Jesus! Not enough time to grab the leg of your mom or dad that are being raptured up. In a moment of time, instantaneously, so quick, you could be walking at home, you could be walking in the office, you could be walking in the garage, you could be walking on the sidewalk, one foot's on terra firma, the next foot down, you're walking on streets of gold. And we're at home where we belong. That quick, that quick, 
The rapture can take place at any time. At any time. Jesus said in Matthew 24, so you also must be ready. That's imminency. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. There are no warning signs for the rapture. Let me make that clear. All the prophetic fulfillment, all the signs of the times that, Pastor, that I've been talking about this morning are all forecasting the great storm, the great tribulation, the second coming of Jesus Christ that are about to take place, not the rapture. There are no signs for the rapture. The rapture could take place at any moment. Are you with me in this? Now, you've been to the department stores. You've been shocked this summer. Right after July 4th, you saw Halloween decorations. And right next to the Halloween decorations right now, we see Santa Claus. What does that mean? What's right around the corner when you see Santa Claus? Thanksgiving. My students got it right. All my other services said it's Christmas. Not Christmas, Thanksgiving. You see my point? If we're already seeing an abundance of prophetic fulfillment, an abundance of signs demonstrating that the great tribulation, the second coming of Jesus, is at the very threshold, the rapture is that much sooner. The rapture is that much sooner. Are you ready? Are you living ready? Are you a second coming believer? The rapture will be a shocking event. Luke 17, 34, I tell you on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken, the other left. Don't say it could never happen. Our world never thought Hitler and his Nazis uh, could happen, but they did, and they almost conquered the world. We never thought Pearl Harbor could happen. Read, read your history. But Pearl Harbor happened. We never ever thought that they would use passenger planes, our own planes against us, to bombard the World Trade Center, our Pentagon. We never thought that would happen, but 9-11 happened. It did. Many think the rapture will never take place, but it will. It will. And millions who knew about the rapture, millions who sat in pews just like you're sitting this morning and heard the preaching of the gospel, heard the warning, but refused to live for Jesus, will jam churches screaming for another chance. But now it's too late. And now they line the altars crying, Oh, Jesus has come, and we've been left behind. The rapture is our Lord's rescue plan for His church. Luke 21, verse 36, Jesus said, Be always on the watch. Pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. 
before the disasters, before the judgments are poured out on a Christ-rejecting world, uh, before Armageddon, the Antichrist, uh, 666, when the forces of hell will be unleashed on earth, God is going to send His Son, Jesus, to rescue His own, to trade the coming hell on earth for the glory of heaven. Would you stand with me this morning? I love the story. I love the story of the young college football player, fullback, who is loaded with all kinds of potential talent and ability, but he had no passion. Get him on the field and he just fumble around. Never a winner attitude. And then his father died. The boy attended his father's funeral. But he made it back for the homecoming game. His college, his team was playing their arch rival. And instead of sitting the bench, this young man ran up to his coach and said, Coach, coach, you got to let me play. Will you please let me play? I'm ready to play now. Coach looked at him and said, Son, I agree. You've got all kinds of talent. You've got all kinds of ability. You have great potential. You could be a great player. But for this whole season, you've been a, nothing but a goof-off. And I'm not going to replace someone with you today. Sit the bench. Halftime, halftime, the arch-rival was walking all over the home team. Score was 27-0. to zero. It was a slaughter. The boy again came to the coach and said, Coach, please coach, would you let me play? I know I can do it. Coach looked at him and said, you might as well. You can't make things any worse than they already are. That boy entered the field like his shoes were on fire. Like an enraged bull, he plowed through the ranks of the opposing team they couldn't stop he was unstoppable play after play they won it first down after first down they won it touchdown after touchdown came and when the whistle blew the home team won 28 to 27 this young man was hailed as a champion he was hoisted on the shoulders of his team he was the game hero, most valuable player. Coach sat him down. He said, son, why, how? It's a miracle. Boy looked him in the eye and he said, coach, you knew that my father had died. But what you didn't know 
is that for all those years that I played, my dad was blind. And today he saw me play for the first time. Today he saw me play for the first time. Hallelujah. We have a heavenly coach that is up in heaven watching. And he has never been blind. For those that follow the NFL, you know that the NFL has a two-minute warning. For those that follow the NFL football games, you know at the end of every game there's two minutes. Two minutes where both teams pull out the stops. And no matter how tired they are, no matter how fatigued, how injured they are, they pull out the stops and they play like there's no tomorrow because all they've got are two minutes. Two minutes. And the game will hinge upon those two minutes. Church, Lakeside family, we're in God's two-minute warning. We're in God's two-minute warning, young people. This is the time to pull out the stops and live for God like there's no tomorrow. This is the time to get involved in ministry and outreach like never before. Why, does, why do I preach these sermons? I don't preach these sermons to tickle your, your futuristic funny bone. I don't preach these sermons to titillate you. I preach these sermons to urge you to ask God the Holy Spirit to baptize you, to restore the passion in you, to be a soul winner, to be a witness, to live a holy life, to be holy as He is holy. To get involved in outreach ministries in the church. To get involved in discipleship ministries here at Lakeside. Get involved in something. Next week is Mission Sunday. Next week we're going to have Dave Grant with us preaching on Project Rescue. He's going to be preaching how you can get involved uh, in praying for, for the terrible malady of sex slavery around the world and how you can be a powerful force in stopping that disease, that cancer to our world. Pull out the stops. Live for Jesus. Because there's coming a day. There's coming a day, even a day of judgment for every Christian. Where he will say, either well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Or he will say, why? Why weren't you faithful? Yes, you made it to heaven. Why weren't you faithful with what I placed in your hand? And then for others, he will say, depart from me. I know you not. Which of the three will you be on that day of days? Honey, sir, ma'am, it's the countdown to eternity. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, we recognize the hour in which we live. Lord, help us to wake up because very soon we're going to go up in the name of Jesus. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed here this morning. The rapture has not yet taken place. You still have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Right now is your time. Right now is your moment. 
this morning I'm prepared to pray a prayer I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation if you would like to be included in this prayer if you'd like to to, to know that you know that you're right with God and on your way to heaven and you want to be included in this prayer that I'm about to pray as heads are bowed and eyes are closed just lift up your hand it's a sign of your faith this morning it's as a sign of your acceptance of Jesus lift it up high so I can see it God bless you God bless you God bless you I see those hands how many more lift it up high for Jesus God bless you sir I see that hand Amen. How many more this morning? Lift it up high. That's right. Yes, up on the balcony. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, up front here. God bless you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Keep those hands lifted up. Keep those hands lifted up. Pray this prayer with me right now. Pray it out loud. Everybody in the, in the room, pray this prayer out loud with me. Make this prayer your prayer if you've r- lifted up your hand. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now, just as I am. I confess I am a sinner, but Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A changed life a new life thank you Jesus for hearing me for changing me I thank you for a home in heaven I thank you Jesus that I am saved in the name of Jesus I pray this amen and amen praise the Lord